What's up, peeps? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's your boy, the ex-NFL player turned yogi. <laughs> uh, it's excellent to be with you guys uh, on this fantastic day. Um, really stoked to share this episode of the podcast with you. Uh, I do a little breakdown taste sampling, taste test sample of The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, like I say in the beginning of this episode, I did a, a top five books episode. That was for Patreon members only. So if you're interested in hearing that, you have to go and become a Patreon member. Five bucks a month. That's it. About the uh, the price of a single day's coffee from your favorite coffee shop. Um, so you could check that out there. But this book, man, it was a profound one for me. I read it years ago. Had a very powerful impact um, on my life, and I it just came back to me. The universe brought it back to me. I was cleaning cleaning out a box of books. And it just fucking popped up, just came right into my hands. And I was like, oh man, I got to check this out again. And I'm really stoked I did. It's just so rich and I'm super stoked to share it with you guys. Um, check it out if you haven't already. And if you have already read it, give it another read, man, because this is so multidimensional. This is one of those texts that's so multidimensional and so vast. Every time you read it, you get something new from it. So I love it. Uh, yes, excellent. Uh, this episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast brought to you by my family at Wake Network. Guys, the fantastic functional fungi, man. Take your life, your health and well-being to the next level with adaptogenic ancient mushrooms like reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, turkey tail. These things optimize every aspect of your health, your gut health, your cognitive function, your immune system. Absolutely. I live by these things. After having spent years in the collision combat sport known as football, six years in the NFL, suffered myriad concussions, myriad injuries throughout my body, multiple surgeries, etc., wreaked havoc on my body. These are a staple, have been a staple of my healing process coming out of that world, that life. So I highly recommend them. Great for stress management, great for focus, great for digestion, Great for boosting the function of your immune system. All around, they're fantastic. Head over to wake.net. Use code EBBENFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. All right, folks. Lots of love to you guys. Have an excellent day and enjoy this episode of the podcast. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source 
the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to... The Ebb and Flow Podcast. <laughs> We're getting weird tonight, y'all. Uh, uploaded an episode yesterday. Had some technical snafus. So, we're doing a stealth mission to make up for it. Give you guys something dope here. We're doing a solo roll instead. That other episode, which is an excellent one. Uh, get that out as soon as it's ready. Just needs a little extra prep time. So today's episode, I thought that I'd dive into one of my all-time favorite books, and I know I've done a top five books episode, um... That might have been a Patreon-only episode. So if you're interested in hearing that episode, you can join Patreon and subscribe to the podcast through that to listen to that episode. But this book, it came back to me. The universe just brings me the books I'm meant to read in the moment. I read this book years ago during my football career, and it had a profound effect on me. Two books, I would say, that I read during my football career, which had a profound effect on my life in that they kept me tethered to my spiritual calling, Siddhartha by Herman Hess and The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, the first time I read this book, it was on a flight from New York City to Los, uh, excuse me, the other way around from Los Angeles to New York City. And I read it all in one flight. That's about a five, six hour flight. I read it straight through, finished before the flight landed. So it's a quick read. It's an easy read. I'm a very slow reader. Um, but you read this and it's just fucking nectar, man. It's nectar straight from the source. Uh, I did a post about it the other day on Instagram. And one guy said that if you read the Quran, it's all in there. Because rereading it, I'm thinking to myself, good Lord. If I wasn't so bought into and understanding of the concept of channeling a text through you. Like the universe has a message and you are the conduit to bring it forth into this physical realm. 
If I didn't believe in that so wholeheartedly, I would think to myself, fuck, how in the fuck did this guy write this book? It's just mind-blowing. It's a fantastic story. Also, this copy of it, which I picked up at Vroman's Bookstore in Pasadena, a very famous bookstore, wonderful bookshop. I picked this up. This copy is full of illustrations that Khalil did. Uh, He was also an artist. A little thing about him. Khalil Gibran was born in 1883 in Lebanon and died in New York in 1931. His family emigrated to the United States in 1895. While he was in his early teens, the artistry of Gibran's drawings caught the eye of his teachers and he was introduced to the avant-garde Boston artist, photographer, and publisher Fred Holland Day, who encouraged and supported him in his creative endeavors. A publisher used some of Gibron's drawings for book covers in 1898, when he was only 15. And Gibron held his first art exhibition in 1904 in Boston. In 1908, Gibron went to study art with August Rodin, know if you guys know anything. Rodin is a profound sculptor, very famous, incredible artist. So he went to live and study with uh, Rodin in Paris for two years and later studied art in Boston. While his early writing was in Arabic, most of his work published after 1918 was in English and has since been translated into more than 20 languages. So the prophet... They call it a collection of 28 poetic essays. Basically what it is, is this mysterious character, the prophet. He's in this town. um, Orphalese. I'm not sure if that's a real place or not. Somebody look it up and let me know. Um, But it's on his final day there. And he's been there for some time. And he's been yearning for his motherland to go home to see his family. And finally, this is the day, the day this book takes place on, is the day that his ship is coming in, literally and figuratively. And so he's going through all of the the sensations of that experience, going home, um having been in a a land far, far from his home, but growing to love it through the discomfort and the unease and all the things that we feel. And so the story takes place as he's walking through town. He likes to chill up on this hilltop and look down and contemplate and meditate. But the story takes place as he's walking through the town to the dock to get on his ship. And as he's walking, this crowd of people is surrounding him because they've grown to love this guy so much. He's become such a staple in their world. And so one by one, these different people start asking him questions to speak on various aspects of life. And it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. 
He talks about love, marriage, children, giving, eating and drinking, work, joy and sorrow, houses, clothes, buying and selling, crime and punishment, laws, freedom, reason and passion. Pain, self-knowledge, teaching, friendship, talking, time, good and evil, prayer, pleasure, beauty, religion, death. Al-Mustafa is the name of the prophet, the chosen and the beloved, who was a, who was a dawn unto his own day, had waited twelve years in the city of Orphalis for his ship that was to return and bear him back to the isle of his birth. And this is the day. So I'm going to read you the first, maybe the first few lines of each chapter, just to give you a taste of this. Just to give you a taste of what this is all about. Hold on, hold on. So he sees his ship come in. He's walking, he's on his way. These people start to gather around him as he's walking, making his way towards the dock. He's crying. People are crying. People are overwhelmed. And there came out of the sanctuary a woman whose name was Almitra, and she was a seeress. And he looked upon her with exceeding tenderness, for it was she who had first sought and believed in him when he had been but a day in their city. And she, sa she hailed him, saying, Prophet of God, in quest of the uttermost, long have you searched the distances for your ship, and now your ship has come, and you must needs go. Deep is your longing for the land of your memories and the dwelling place of your greater desires, and our love would not bind you nor our needs hold you. Yet this we ask ere you leave us, that you speak to us and give us of your truth. And we will give it unto our children and they unto their children, and it shall not perish. In your aloneness you have watched with our days, and in your wakefulness you have listened to the weeping and the laughter of our sleep. Now, therefore, disclose to us, disclose us to ourselves, and tell us all that has been shown you of that which is between birth and death. And he answered, People of Orphalies, of what can I speak save of that which is even now moving within your souls? Then Almitra said, Speak to us of love. And he raised his head and looked upon the people, and there fell a stillness upon them. And with a great voice he said, When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste the garden. Somehow that explains it, doesn't it? 
You're just like, fuck. Then Elmitra spoke again and said, And what of marriage, master? And he answered, saying, You were born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. I, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. I think if you're married, if you've ever been married, you've ever been in a long-term relationship, that fucking hits it right on the head. And a woman who held a babe against her bosom said, Speak to us of children. And he said, Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. (laughs) Jesus, I mean... They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. Then said a rich man, speak to us of giving. And he answered, you give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. For what are your possessions but things you keep and guard for fear you may need them tomorrow? And tomorrow, what shall tomorrow bring to the overprudent dog burying bones in the trackless sand as he follows the pilgrims to the holy city? And what is fear of need but need itself? Is not dread of thirst when your well is full, the thirst that is unquenchable? I love that. You give little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. One of my all-time favorite lines. He's got these beautiful illustrations throughout. Incredible. Like, what a talent. Beautiful. Then an old man, a keeper of an inn, said, Speak to us of eating and drinking. And he said, Would that you could live on the fragrance of the earth, and like an air plant be sustained by the light. But since you must kill to eat and rob the newly born of its mother's milk to quench your thirst, let it then be an act of worship. Your life is your meditation. Your life is your practice. Your life is your worship, your expression of gratitude for this blessing that I, we, you get to experience called being a human. Can you find 
intention, meaning, purpose in every single moment of your life. Be as present as possible. Be as present as possible. When you're in a room, be in the room. When you're with your loved ones, be with your loved ones. When you're at work, working, you're working. You're in the work. You're writing. You're the ink flowing onto the paper with every letter that you put down. Every breath, man. Every fucking breath. How often have you felt that feeling, that horrible feeling of having missed out or the days gone past, the time spent with loved ones where you're like, man, that went so fast. I feel like I didn't even get to spend time with them. That dreadful feeling like you'll never get these moments back. I know I've had those. I've had the, oh my God. So much of my life I've I've felt that. Yet another mechanism by which I've been driven into this way of being the meditation, the breathing, the exercise, the relationship with the food, the paying attention of people's energy, getting as present as possible. By the way, excuse the darkness, it's nighttime. I'm in the middle of house renovations. I don't have good lighting. Please excuse that. But how many times have we felt that? That fucking dread of having missed out. But we were there. We were fucking there, man. So why do we feel like we weren't? And then that little particle of resistance, static, discontent, whatever it might be, Man, that, that just starts to pulse and send ripples out into your mind space, into your airwaves. And then one day you're just, you're fucking with all the other things you've done. It's like you're kind of, you're walking around kind of angry, irritated, frustrated, anxious, a little short, a little bit, you know, you're just not yourself. You're not who you were destined to be. You're not your greatest version of yourself because you're walking around with this particle of static that's become a fucking marble or a fucking golf ball or whatever it is. Everything you do, make it an act of worship. I drink this fucking water, this electrolyte water. I drink it. 
Every sip, I'm just thinking to myself, man, this is nourishing every cell in my body. I don't know. Call it fucking corny or hokey or whatever the fuck you want to call it or think. I don't care, man. I don't know any other way anymore. And why does it matter? Why does any of that matter? Because here's a fact. Life is really hard. And life is really uncomfortable. A lot of the time. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. It's challenging. Of course, it's joyous and wonderful and beautiful and ecstatic and fucking all the incredible things as well. But it's fucking challenging. And every day you come upon things. You might have like stretches a week, a month. Fuck a great year where it's like really good. Just really good things happening. You're in the flow. But even then, man, like things happen. Difficulties emerge. Challenges appear. Adversity strikes. I've said this before, I believe, but one of the greatest things I ever heard in football was you learn who a person really is when they face adversity. And we all face adversity. There's just no hiding from it. That's part of the deal, you know. So, that being said, when the adversity rises, when the challenges emerge, what state are you going to be in? What version of yourself are you going to be in? Are you going to be in little grumpy, resentful, irritated self? Or are you going to be in big, fucking magnificent, magnanimous, beautiful, compassionate, joyous, balanced, grounded self. Because the enlightenment thing, it doesn't mean all the shit goes away. What it means is you've detached from being totally absorbed by those things. So now you've shifted your relationship. So now they come in and there's no energy charge to it. Ah, wow. Look at that. I'm angry. Look at that. Whoa. Look at that. I'm really fucking frustrated. Man, that person is annoying the fuck out of me. But you know what? How fun is that? How fun is that? I get to feel that. Ah, interesting. I don't have to like snap at them. I don't have to be a dickhead to them. I don't even have to cause any fucking chaos. Because I'm detached. There's no emotional charge in the sensation. Mm, This is why it matters. So now you become a better human being. You become a higher vibrational human being. Your frequency has been turned up. So now when you go out into the world, you know those scenes on the nature shows, especially the ocean nature shows, where you're out in the ocean and the camera's fucking in the deep blue 
And out of nowhere, the fucking great white emerges. And it's like, fuck. Imagine. And the primal sensation that emerges out of that image. Terrifying. Scary. Death. In a creature. Now, I know the reality is great whites are, like, people fucking swim with great whites. You know, for the most part, you know, probably sharks, big fucking sharks, man, predatory sharks, great white, they don't want to eat a human being. We're too fucking bony. We don't have enough meat. You know? Of course, people get attacked all the time. They do a lot of damage because they're fucking big. They're like a big fucking chainsaw. A two-ton chainsaw. Anyway, that being said, my point being, you raise up your frequency, you're going to be like that great white, only the fucking flip side of the coin. So you walk out into the world and you're like a fucking great white of light, baby. And you're just infecting people with positive energy, with peace, with serenity, with groundedness, with gratitude. Without even saying a word, just your energy, your presence. Because people are magnetized to that. Your life should be an act of worship. I'm not talking about some fucking religious thing, man. You know, I think it's fascinating. I always post, you know, the books I post. You know, I ain't gonna lie. I've been really interested. I've been a huge fan. I've been very drawn to, gravitated towards Eastern philosophy, centric writing, especially lately. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not down with Western philosophy and mysticism, etc. But like Hinduism, Buddhism, and I'm not religious by any means. But anyway, my point being, I post things like this, which if you take some of the comments I got on social media as legit, which I believe they are, And a lot of this philosophy is inspired by the Quran. Okay. You know, but like, I love it when it always becomes a religious thing. I'm not a religious guy. You know, I'm, my life is my ritual. My life is my religion. And as Bhagavan Das said, which I highly recommend his book. I know I talked about it frequently. Uh, It's here now. Are you check it out? He said, as Timothy Leary once said, I believe every man must create his own religion. Not trying to be blasphemous. Big fan of Jesus Christ too. Love all those guys. (laughs) Here we are in this day and age where I have to fucking you know, I got to give the anesthetic of, of qualifying 
comment. Then a plowman said, speak to us of work. And he answered saying, you work that you may keep pace with the earth and the soul of the earth. For to be idle is to become a stranger unto the seasons and to step out of life's procession that marches in majesty and proud submission towards the infinite. When you work, you are a flute through whose heart the whispering of the hours turns to music. Incredible. Then a woman said, Speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered, Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. This has been something I've been working on. This has been my practice lately, man. You know, things come up all the time. Uh, Whatever the sensation may be. Anger, shame, frustration, etc., etc., sadness. And I've been doing this thing where whatever comes up, I'm like, okay, there it is. That's it, right there. Boom, I'm angry. I'm feeling anger. Mmm, wow. Feel that tone. Where is it? Find it. Chest, neck, forehead, face. wherever it might be, locate it, feel it, hold it. Ah, yes, feel this. Then, without going anywhere, without resisting it, turning away, doing all the things we do to disallow ourselves the opportunity of feeling emotions, without going anywhere, just go underneath it and go, Who's the person feeling this? Who's the person? And you lift up the blanket of feeling. You lift it up. It's like, oh, I see you. That's my younger self. That's the teenage me who was always insecure. Ah. That's the little boy who was always scared. How are you? I love you. Just keep breathing. Breath will take you there, man. The breath will take you there. Then a mason came forth and said, Speak to us of houses. And he answered and said, Build of your imaginings a bower in the wilderness ere you build a house within the city walls. For even as you have homecomings in your twilight, so has the wanderer in you, the ever distant and alone. Your house is your larger body. It grows in the sun and sleeps in the stillness of the night, and it is not dreamless. Does not your house dream? And dreaming, leave the city for grove or hilltop. I love that idea. Your home is your temple, man. Your home is your temple. Care for it. Love it. Be present in it. You know? You cook food in this thing. You rest in this thing. In this entity. 
I love my home, man. I love it. It's a sanctuary. Your home is your sanctuary. The weaver said, speak to us of clothes. And he answered, your clothes conceal much of your beauty, yet they hide not the unbeautiful. And though you seek in garments the freedom of privacy, you may find in them a harness and a chain. Would that you could meet the sun and the wind with more of your skin and less of your raiment. For the breath of life is in the sunlight and the hand of life is in the wind. It's an interesting take. And the merchant said, Speak to us of buying and selling. And he answered and said, To you the earth yields her fruit, and you shall not want if you but know how to fill your hands. It is in exchanging the gifts of the earth that you shall find abundance and be satisfied. Yet unless the exchange be in love and kindly justice, it will but lead some to greed and others to hunger. Mm. Then one of the judges of the city stood forth and said, Speak to us of crime and punishment. And he answered, saying, It is when your spirit goes wandering upon the wind that you, alone and unguarded, commit a wrong unto others and therefore unto yourself. And for that wrong committed must you knock and wait a while, unheeded at the gate of the blessed. Like the ocean is your God-self, it remains forever undefiled. And like the ether, it lifts but the winged. Even like the sun is your God-self. It knows not the ways of the mole, nor seeks it the holes of the serpent. But your God-self dwells not alone in your being. Much in you is still man, and much in you is not yet man, but a shapeless pygmy that walks asleep in the mist searching for its own awakening. And of the man in you would I now speak, for it is he and not your God-self, nor the pygmy in the mist that knows crime and the punishment of crime. Deep. And an orator said, Speak to us of freedom. And he answered, At the city gate and by your fireside I have seen you prostrate yourself and worship your own freedom. Even as slaves humble themselves before a tyrant and praise him though he slays them. I, in the grove of the temple and in the shadow of the citadel, I have seen the freest among you wear their freedom as a yoke and a handcuff, and my heart bled within me. For you can only be free when even the desire of seeking freedom becomes a harness to you, and when you cease to speak of freedom as a goal and a fulfillment. You know, this one was big for me because I think about this all the time. What do I want? I want freedom. 
But when the wanting of freedom, the desire for freedom becomes another, yet another attachment, another trap, another prison cell. Can't allow it. Can't allow that to happen. That's the dance that we find ourselves in. And the priestess spoke again and said, speak to us of reason and passion. And he answered saying, your soul is oftentimes a battlefield upon which your reason and your judgment wage war against your passion and your appetite. Hmm. Your soul is oftentimes a battlefield upon which your reason and your judgment wage war against your passion and your appetite. Felt that? A woman spoke, tell us of pain, and he said, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. More incredible drawings, illustrations. Speak to us of self-knowledge, he answered. Your hearts know in silence the secrets of the days and the nights. But your ears thirst for the sound of your heart's knowledge. You would know in words that which you have always known and thought. You would touch with your fingers the naked body of your dreams. Speak to us of friendship, asked a youth. And he answered, your friend is your needs answered. He is your field which you sow with love and reap with thanksgiving. And he is your board and your fireside. For you come to him with your hunger and you seek him for peace. Then a priestess said, speak to us of prayer. And he answered, you pray in your distress and in your need. Would that you might pray also in the fullness of your joy and in your days of abundance. That's a really fascinating thing, you know. People always come to God when shit's really bad. God save me. All of a sudden, now you're a prayer. <laughs> now you believe in God. And that's fine. God has no judgment on that. God is all knowing, all, pre all present, within you, without you. They don't care. So, okay. Yeah, that's cool. But to truly know God, to truly live life on God, you pray all the time. Be as honest as possible. God knows it all anyway. Why not? Just speak the truth, man. What the fuck is in your heart? God, I don't fucking know, man. I say that frequently. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. I totally surrender. I give up completely. Show me what to do. 
And then all of a sudden, something just like, whoosh, something is revealed. Something becomes apparent. Some seed is dropped out of the abyss. And you know what to do next. I can't explain it. Then a hermit who visited the city once a year came forth and said, Speak to us of pleasure. And he answered, Pleasure is a freedom song, but it is not freedom. It is the blossoming of your desires, but it is not their fruit. It is a depth calling unto a height, but it is not the deep nor the high. It is the caged taking wing, but it is not space encompassed. Aye, in very truth, pleasure is a freedom song. And I fain would have you sing it with fullness of heart, yet I would not have you lose your hearts in the singing. Interesting. Something to be enjoyed, but not sought after. Not perceived as the end goal. Beauty? He answered. Where shall you seek beauty, and how shall you find her unless she herself be your way and your guide? And how shall you speak of her except she be the weaver of your speech? Mm. Religion. Have I spoken this day of aught else? Is not religion all deeds and all reflection? And that which is neither deed nor reflection, but a wonder and a surprise ever springing in the soul, even while the hands hew the stone or tend the loom? Who can separate his faith from his actions or his belief from his occupations? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ding! We got a good effect. We got a good effect. Don't really have one. Let's hear it. Oh, the laughing. It's not right. In the West, we've had, we've, we've created for ourselves or the culture, mm, the material paradigm, really. We've created a deep disconnection with God. And yet here people are doing things, living their life, taking actions, building lives around themselves through every breath that they take, every word that they speak, every thought they think, every action they they take, etc. And that is in fact an expression of God. That's an expression of some belief in something. Because if a person didn't believe in anything, 
truly heartfelt, did not believe in anything or that anything mattered, you wouldn't do anything. You'd lie motionless like a rock. And even that, then you couldn't say that you weren't doing anything because doing nothing is doing something else. Lying there on the couch, just because you're not up walking around, moving around, working, doing whatever it is, you're lying on the couch. It's impossible. You're here. You're doing it. Your birth is the expression of some higher intelligence. I don't know about you. I didn't, I don't remember choosing to be born. I don't remember choosing to come in here. I'm just here, man. (laughs) I just fucking found myself here. Weird. But that's what we're talking about. Life is like, what's relig? I mean, your life, your life, you're living it, man. You're living it. Then Elmitra spoke, saying, We would ask now of death. And he said, You would know the secret of death. But how shall you find it unless you seek it in the heart of life? The the owl whose night-bound eyes are blind unto the day cannot unveil the mystery of light. If you would indeed behold the spirit of death, open your heart wide unto the body of life. For life and death are one, even as the river and the sea are one. You guys know the name of the show. It's The Ebb and Flow. Pun intended. Life ebbs and flows. Did you know that quantum physics has proven or shown, illustrated, on a molecular level, atoms, molecules, protons, electrons... They're constantly blinking in and out of existence. That's vibration. And so when you blow out to see the bigger picture of that, we are made of billions, trillions of cells constantly blinking in and out of existence, vibrating at a very, very intense speed. Going from nothing to something, from form to formless, back and forth, back and forth, ebbing and flowing, ebbing and flowing, like a wave, a crest and a trough, a crest and a trough, a crest and a trough. Everything in the universe is doing that. Every single fucking thing in the universe is doing that. Constantly. It's not like, you know, once a year, doing it all the time. So what is death? Like, what is death? We've created such a a taboo aura around this thing that we're all going to do. Literally, we're all going to do it. There's no escaping it. And there's so much fear around it. It's considered such a tragedy. 
Why would something that we all have to do at some point, that we're all going to do, that we all have the privilege of doing, be such a horrible thing? And we don't even know what it is. Like, we don't even know what happens, what, you know. It's the ultimate letting go, essentially. You have to let go of things all the time. If you're willing and in a healthy state of being. To keep yourself clean, you have to be willing to let go of things all the time. Those are little deaths. The ego death of a psychedelic trip. Where a mask you wear dissolves before you. And you're just like, whoa. No, I'm that guy, man. I'm that guy. And your true self, your highest self is like, come on, man. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not that guy. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful experience. One of my favorite things about my time spent with Mike Tyson was his musings on death, listening to them. He used to say, life is glorious, so how can death not be glorious? Or death must be glorious because life is so glorious. Mm. Beautiful, man. The prophet, Khalil Gibran, Beautiful text, fantastic. This was nine ninety five at the bookstore. Uh, I will have a link to purchase it in the show notes. I like to find the source publisher and offer that rather than you know sending you to Amazon. I'll see what I can do here, but I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Let's take three deep breaths together before I send you guys off onto your day to kick some fucking ass, to live in your truth, to be in your highest greatness, man. Because the world needs you, boys and girls. The world fucking needs you. So we're going to take three deep breaths, inhale through the nose, deep into the solar plexus, expand that rib cage, massage those organs, feel that wondrous, nutritious air fill every cell in your being and give you energy and strength to stand in your truth. And then you're going to exhale out the mouth and just let it all go. Get all the air out on the exhale. We're going to do three of those. Ready? Number one, here we go. Another sip. Push it all out. Use your stomach muscles. Number two. Just let it all out. Last one. Ooh. 
Mm. Check in. How do you feel? Awesome. Well, I appreciate all you guys. Um, would love to see you guys on Patreon this Sunday, July 11th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. We're doing yoga and breathwork group live Zoom session. Would love to see you guys there. Join today. Um, this one will be open to all members moving forward. The group sessions are available to my Sage members. You check that out. I'm also offering ebb and flow coaching. There are prices and all of that good stuff on Patreon. Scroll down to the ebb and flow coaching section. Uh, there's limited space there. I'm here at your service. I'm only offering a limited number of those slots. So if you're interested in that, get in on it. The first five people who book a one-hour session with me, I'm going to give you a complimentary 30 minutes. Complimentary, that's on the house. We're signing up for the ebb and flow coaching session. Either package, we'll work it out. If you go for the two-hour package, I'll give you a bonus 30 minutes as well. All right, y'all. We'd love to see you guys there. All that will be in the show notes, links, etc. Lots of love to you guys. Hope you enjoyed that. The Prophet, man, Khalil Gibran, next level shit. Lots of love. Have an excellent day. See y'all on the flip side. Peace.